0: Well, welcome to another edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Martian, glad you tuned in today. Uh, We're gonna do a little analysis, balance and clarity here at the People's Republic of California because quite frankly, we have been hearing for years and years and years and years about how the California experiment is working. It's working wonderfully. Let's have open border immigration. Even though there is a really nice border crossing screening area in San Diego, there are ways to kind of move around it and and basically uh, you know, bypass it if you push into Arizona or whatever. Illegal immigration I- is a huge issue in California. And for many years, California leadership, for example, has just kind of uh, turned a blind eye. Let's give uh, driver's licenses to undocumented people. Let's change the language. Let's change the narrative. We're not going to try to find these folks. And I know that a lot of more progressive Christians would say, well, yeah, with immigration, come on. These are people. No people should be illegal, blah, blah, you know, whatever. And I get it. I mean, trust me, pastored before, I mean, I hosted this program in our 13th year now. I've spent more than a fourth of my broadcasting life doing this and looking at these angles from every different aspect I possibly can to try to give you the best analysis, balance, and clarity that leads to our discernment, which leads to edification for us in the body of Christ, and then ultimately fruitfulness. A, B, C, D, E, F. It's really very simple. It's not easy, but it's simple. But I came across a piece in the Christian Post last week uh, from Kerry uh, Jackson, who is the William Clement Fellow in California Reform at Pacific Research Institute. We talked to Lance Azumi a lot from Pacific Research Institute. Not a faith-based organization per se, but a lot of what they talk about, a lot of what we discuss here, whether it's education, reform, immigration, whatever, dovetails nicely. And I think that it is possible for us in the body of Christ to be able to look at what's happening when it comes to governments and not turn a blind eye and a deaf ear, but say, wait a minute, let's see what the problems are. Number one issue for us as Christians when we look at these social programs, you know, the fact that California leads the league in red, red tape and red ink, I mean, deficit spending like crazy to try to handle these social programs. Part of the reason why California does this is, of course, greed. I mean, there's no question about that. But a lot of governments, I mean, there's another part of the equation too where we in the body of Christ are complicit, and that is that we're not doing the things that Jesus called us to do with regard to feeding and caring for the poor and the homeless and the oppressed. And, and not saying just everybody gets on the dole with your church and we, you know, it's handout central. But rather, I mean, the scripture is clear. Care for the homeless, care for the hurting, but also if you don't work, you don't eat. So, I mean, you've got to balance both of those. Carrie Jackson from Pacific Research Institute wrote an op-ed piece, though, that I think it described how as the golden state of California has become more blue, that we're beginning to realize that this model doesn't work. And I share this with you today here in an analysis, balance, and clarity segment. Not so much to dunk on Gavin Newsom. Uh, Gavin Newsom, the uh, much praised but often maligned governor of California, has gotten kudos from a lot of folks who say this is the model. Everybody should be doing this. Follow the lead of California. But if you look at the numbers, the numbers don't lie. California lost more residents from July 2022 to July 2023 than uh, just about any state. Well, I take that back. New York lost more residents than California. But when it comes to the impact, that's just for one year. New York has fallen from the most populated state to the second most populated state to now the fourth most popular state. And California is the most populous state in the union, hands down. But when you consider the fact that people are leaving and not just this year, and not just the year before that, people are leaving like crazy from California. Not one. You know, people when I count this way. It's not just one year, not just two, not three, not four, not five, not six, not seven, not eight. But for nine years in a row, more people have left California than come here. Now, understanding, of course, that California lost another 75, 80,000 people last year, but that's a net number. People leave California, people come to California, just like in Texas, for example. Uh, Lisa and I have two children who moved to Texas recently in the past year or so. The number of people who went from California to Texas was like 400,000 or something like that, but the number of people who went from Texas to California was 180,000. So it's not just a zero-sum game. Everybody's leaving, good, you're not coming back. These are net numbers we're talking about. So California lost another 75,000, but if that happens year in and year out, that becomes 750,000, which is what happened in the last decade. And it's the reason why, if you look at Encyclopedia Britannica online, I did this earlier this week, I was checking to see how many electoral votes New Hampshire had. It's somewhere between three and four. And New Hampshire has no state income tax, they are a pretty moderate state considering it's mostly Democrats. But I wanted to see how many electoral votes they had. And when I looked at the Encyclopedia Britannica online listing, the first one that came up in my Google search, they reported that California had 54 electoral votes. To which I responded, nope, it's down to 53, on its way to 52. Because they're all based on population. It's a fixed sum Finite pie, 435 members of the House of Representatives. And so if a state gains in population, they're going to potentially get another electoral vote. It's supposed to be maybe the House of Representatives. And if you lose population, you will lose. I remember being a younger guy. For some reason, I thought California had like 35 delegates. (laughs) Then it went up to 54. Now it's down to 53 and it's on its way back down again. So what is it? about california's model that is leaving leading people to leave i mean in all honesty if you made the move purely for money i would understand that when my daughter emily called me that one day i'll never forget sitting in my office and i just finished doing the bottom line show and she called me and said dad can we talk and i said yeah and i knew that her husband brian has a sister julie wonderful julie and Charlie, charles wallace they have seven kids they just bought a place in Montgomery, Texas, I think, like in the uh, north of Houston. Big spread, big land, room for their seven kids and his parents who were coming with them too. So they moved. And they made the move. And Em and Brian had been out there with the grandson uh, several times just to visit, see what's there. But I knew when they were there, they were looking for homes. They'd been married for almost eight years. They'd been saving. They'd done everything Dave Ramsey told them to do, had paid off both cars. And when it came time to try to purchase a home, they had saved enough money, I thought, for a substantial down payment. And anywhere else in the United States, it would have been a substantial down payment. But for what they were looking for was a three or four bedroom home with two to two and a half baths and a yard that was not a condo. They couldn't get anywhere near that for under a million dollars. And I thought to myself, I remember the words my dad shared with me when uh, M's mom and I got married and we were trying to find a place to get started. And he said, boy, they just kill you kids on housing, don't they? Well, it was even worse for M and Brian. So they went to Texas. They found a four-bedroom, two-bath home in Conroe, Texas with a yard for $320,000. They put 20% down. They have no PMI, even with the higher uh, property taxes that they have in, in Texas, They are paying less to buy a home and pay the higher property taxes than they were paying to rent a two-bedroom apartment in California. I get it. Brian telecommutes so he can work from anywhere. Isaac's in kindergarten, so the school thing wasn't that big a deal for him. Emily's a school teacher, and she had plenty of opportunities when she came to work in Texas. But what was interesting about this is I started to think, well, if it was just to buy a house, I get it. But then we started having conversations about Vaccination mandates and educational requirements, and what the state of education was like in Texas compared to California. And all of a sudden, I begin to realize it's a quality of life issue. It's not just a housing issue. They didn't have a ton of equity leaving with them. They were just looking to try to build some equity, which they're doing quite nicely on. My goodness, in a couple of years, they may be in a position to buy a second home, which would be fantastic. But everybody looks at California and says, well, why are they leaving? You know, you go to Texas and apparently there are companies that make shirts that say, don't California are Texas? They don't like the California values that are coming there, not realizing that the values are actually better. They're not liberal and crazy. But when you think about what California promises to do versus what they can actually deliver, I think it's interesting that this study from the uh, Rose Institute of the State and Local Government at Claremont McKenna College surveyed Californians who'd expressed an interest in moving. And when they began to ask them questions, they got past the cost of living, other aspects of the economy. But then they moved into the whole area is, well, what about leadership? Who's running this place? And is this really the best place for anybody to live? want to get into some of the specifics as to why more and more people on both sides of the political aisle are beginning to realize that the California dream is turning out to be actually a nightmare. Let's get into that coming up next as the bottom line continues. For more than 50 years, Dennis Wilson has been offering better alternatives to what the market offers when it comes to investments like certificates of deposit and real estate investment trusts. Dennis's 3D account pays even better than market interest rate. Here's Dennis to explain. So what
1: is a 3D account and how does it work? A 3D account is a real estate-backed investment without Wall Street risk. It pays an amazing interest of 7% for the next three years. At the end of three years, you can take your money out, so you can see it's definitely not a REIT, or you can reinvest it at 7% in a new program. Go ahead and call today and ask about the 7% account. And then while you're on the phone... And ask about our accounts that are based even higher amounts for funds over 250000
0: Learn more about Dennis Wilson's 3D Money account, the better alternative to the Real Estate Investment Trust. Call 800-696-9970. 800-696-9970. Wilson Financial. Simply better alternatives. Welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Hope your Thursday is going quite well. Uh, we're taking a look at a study that was actually conducted. It was written by, uh, this report was written by Carrie Jackson, who is the William Clement Fellow at California Reform at the Pacific Research Institute. And it's based on some studies that were done at the Rose Institute of State and Local Government at Claremont McKenna College. And they su- surveyed Californians who'd expressed an interest in moving. They found that Republicans said concerns about politics and policy were driving them to move. Very few Democrats did. That was pretty normal. Many respondents said that they had concerns about the cost of living and other aspects of the economy. But then it was interesting because one guy who is an independent from Santa Barbara uh, basically spoke to why so many people are leaving California. Whether they'll say it's the money or the politics, This guy said, quite frankly, I'm leaving because California is run by morons. Now, I I know that's not terribly scientific. But when you imitate California policies, as many states, especially many blue states have done, they impose a cost of living that is pretty punishing for most anybody, whether you're Republican, Democrat, peace and freedom or Green Party. The fact that a lot of people are, well, for example, Massachusetts is one of those imitator states, if you will. Uh, New Jersey is another. Uh, New York, as we've mentioned before. Basically, in in September of 2020, Governor Newsom decided that he passed an executive order that said he would get to make all decisions for all consumers. Um, His executive order was then Uh, approved two years later by California's unelected Air Resources Board. And with that in tow, as most people begin to count the cost of Newsom's fallacy, you begin to see what's not working. Net loss of residents during the pandemic. Massachusetts lost 31,000. New Jersey Uh, had a slight gain during the pandemic of 1800 but they wound up losing about 153,000 on the whole new york lost uh, new york state lost 631,000 i mentioned california lost nearly a million people here's the problem of course I, i mentioned that california used to be the state that said we are really big on black ink and red tape meaning they had profits but it was pretty easy to see that for all of the executive orders that were pushing, you know, green technology and transgender ideology and this, that, and the other thing, at some point there would not be a way to pay for it. And it's, it, this is very interesting. Because that not being able to pay for it part was always Gavin Newsom's saving grace. He could pay for it. First year of the pandemic, California has a $58 billion surplus. Second year of the pandemic, $51 billion surplus. And now, $68 billion deficit. What's the difference? You know, it's, it's so maddening. We're talking about this as an analysis, balance, and clarity segment. Remember, it's ABCDEF. Analysis, balance, clarity, discernment, edification, and fruitfulness. The analysis part, let's get the data, let's get the information. The balance part. Let's get it from different sources because you know and I know there are so many different places that will promote one ideology and they'll leave out a lot of key factors that drive you toward you know, making the wrong decision because you didn't get the whole story. You think the elephant's all trunk and no tail. Uh, then there's the clarity part. Once you've done the analysis and got the balanced sources, you can clarify what the issue really is. The issue here in California is Californians want to be governed fairly and justly and have an opportunity to succeed financially and religiously. And the policies that Newsom, carrying on from his predecessor, Governor Jerry Brown, have made it virtually impossible to do so. So much so that over the past decade, they've lost nearly a million people. And I'll tell you on the other side of this break, how many more U.S. House seats California is projected to lose if this trend continues. They've already lost one. You wonder why there's a homeless problem in Los Angeles and San Francisco and why it's only gotten worse? This is a good indication. California was benefiting, just like there were reports, remember the stimulus money was coming out. Here comes stimulus money to kind of uphold people. And all of a sudden, what did the New York Times, Washington Post report? Poverty is declining. We're lifting people out of homelessness. We're taking them out of poverty. Isn't this great? Childhood poverty is down. Why? Because they're getting free money from the government. So you have to have it's kind of like saying my tire has so much air in it because it's hooked up to the pump. Is there a hole in the tire? Yeah, but as long as the pump's turned on, there's air in the tire. What happens when you disconnect the pump and drive the car? Well, pew, there goes all the air. You got a flat tire again. But government officials actually believe this. They can tell progressives and Democrat strategists, hey, guess what? Because we started pumping money into the economy that we just pulled out of thin air, then we solved the problem of poverty and we've solved the problem of homelessness. And look at us go. But now all that free federal money that California was getting to prop us up during the uh, pandemic, it's gone. And all of a sudden, Governor Newsom, who had projected, oh, sure, we could take these tax revenues here and this federal money for this, that, the other thing. Now all the COVID money's gone and he's got a $68 billion shortfall. Why? Well, you tell me. And let's not even get started on the issue of borders and homelessness and, yeah. Now I know there's left-leaning Christians that say, well, Roger, you make it sound like people are illegal and they should be. Someone comes to this country illegally, they're, they're illegal. Doesn't mean I want them to stay illegal. If someone comes across the border and the catch and release plan says, I hope you promise to show up at your court date, and then 90% of the people who get in catch and release never show up for court, then they're circling around in the dark and they're, they're never going to come into the light and say, I want to be a citizen. And quite frankly, why would they? If you get all the benefits and perks of being a citizen without citizenship, why would you go through the hassle, number one? Number two, if it takes 15 years to go through the immigration and naturalization process, why would you put up with it? It's got to be streamlined. But both parties have had ample opportunity to do something about that over the last 40 years, and neither did anything. So when it comes to immigration reform, California's, hey, come on in, everybody's welcome. I, of course, every human being has value, but why are so many millions of people able to legally immigrate into the US every year and a couple million others don't? And somehow everyone's supposed to get the same treatment. The ones who do come in and wait 15 years, the ones who don't hide in the shadows, live in a cash-based black market and it's ridiculous. Well, the fact that more reason, p- people are leaving California has really shown us that the government can't solve all of the problems. And quite frankly, according to current estimates and projections, California lost one House seat here for 2024. Do you know that some ex- experts are estimating by the time we go through two more election cycles, 2020 or 2026, 2028, and then the third one would be 2030. By 2030, California could lose another five seats in the house of representatives if more people keep leaving the state so it's a crisis for the golden state to see what they can do but i mentioned earlier the church is complicit in this and i want to take a break and when we come back from the break i want to point out some ways that we in the body of christ can do more than just name calling see i told you governor newsom is corrupt see i told you the democrat policies don't work well we know that See, I told you if you drove your car 100 miles an hour into a wall, you'd crash the car. I mean, that's that's pretty obvious. But what has the church done that has led us to that point, And what can the church do to help resolve it? Let's talk about those solutions on the other side of this break as The Bottom Line continues. Welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, talking about this great report from our friends at Pacific Research Institute. I mean, it's great in the sense that it's big in scope and magnitude. It's not great in the good news because it's not really good news. Uh, Kerry Jackson is the William Clement Fellow in California Reform at Pacific Research Institute and has written an opinion piece for the Christian Post uh, based on a new survey that was done by Claremont, uh, the Rose Institute of State and Local Government at Claremont McKenna College. And basically asking people why so many Democrats, so many Republicans, so many independents have moved out of the state. A lot of them talk about economic opportunities, politics, policy. But one independent voter in Santa Barbara basically kind of summarized everything, saying, I'm leaving California because the state is run by morons not a nice thing to say but the fact that california has lost population for the last nine years now has already lost a seat in the house is currently projected for a 68 billion dollar budget deficit to fund all these social programs you have to ask the question well I, I mentioned at the start what we knew that the democrat party wasn't going to solve all our problems but what about the church what role does the church play in this in terms of being complicit well, quite frankly, look at the list of all the things that Jesus said when he was talking about the separating of the sheep and the goats. This is in Matthew 25. And he talks about how the sheep are on the right hand, the goats are on the left. And when Jesus looks at the goats and says, depart from me, I never knew you. But to the sheep, you know, they're basically his children. And he says, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. Goes on and on. And the disciples say, Lord, when did we see you that way? And then when he says, whenever you saw the least of these, in that situation if you did it for them you've done it to me so let's ask the question how much of our church budgets each year go toward helping those things in those areas where jesus said this is where we need to help feeding the hungry clothing the naked shoeing those without shoes on their feet helping to find homes and deal with the issue of homelessness we can't solve every problem in this side of eternity we're not going to but Jesus says, at least I'll know your heart for me if this is where you are putting your time, putting your talent, putting your treasures. It's part of the reason why we make such a big deal out of supporting preborn. Think about the woman who faces a pregnancy that she didn't plan on. Married or unmarried, you're finding more and more married women, more and more married moms are saying, I'm pregnant, and I don't know what to do. My marriage is kind of on the rocks, I don't want to bring another child into the world, into this marriage. What do I do? What are my options? and they're being told, we'll have an abortion. Take two pills over a couple of days, problem solved. That's not a problem solution. The solution is to go to a pre-born clinic, see the ultrasound of your child, and then sit down with the counselors for the beginning of what will eventually become a two-year commitment to helping you and your yet-to-be-born child have the quality of life that God intends for you and the baby. 833-850-BABY is the number to call. Make a $28 donation today and save the life of a child. 83% of the women who go to a pre-born clinic, figure of 100 women go to a pre-born clinic this week, 83 of them will see the ultrasound and say, I want to be a mom or I want to release that child for adoption. The other 17 may say, you know what, I'm not ready to make a decision or I'm going to choose abortion. But that 83% number is huge because Statistically, according to Planned Parenthood and the National Abortion Rights League, almost 100% of the women who go to abortion clinics wind up getting abortions. Those babies have no chance. So going to a pre-born ups the chance dramatically and it only takes $28, a one-time contribution. Go to kbrightradio.com forward slash well, you'll find the pre-born banner there that'll take care of all the rest of it. $28 saves one baby's life, $280 saves 10, and $15,000 donation tax deductible provides one ultrasound machine for a family, uh, well, for a clinic that uh, desperately needs it. Go to kbrightradio.com and click on the pre-born banner today. See, the whole name of the game is like George Barnes says, 80% of Americans want essentially the same things. And you'd find a lot more people, I think, who would be willing to hear about your salvation story when a relationship with that person becomes more important than, well, I can't hang with that person because they don't follow the rules of Christianity. They don't go to my church. I've heard him swear too many times. She's been divorced three times. Whatever the real issue is. David Hoffman is a fascinating guy. He's a real estate uh, genius who basically uh, overcame just a Really tough challenge when he was growing up to become founder of David Hoffman Realty, which is an Inc. five thousand company. Uh, he also started First uh, Covenant First Mortgage and Beyond Title. Um, he basically um, just had a, a tough, challenging childhood where he realized that coming to faith in Christ was the thing that would help him fulfill God's plans for his life. Of course, but also that relationships with other people was the way God intended us for us to share anything of importance. He's developed what he calls seven principles to lead gracefully and love generously. He's written about it in a brand new book of his called Rules Over Relationships. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com, and we will have a copy of this book to give away at the end of our conversation. Author David Hoffman joins me coming up next. Oh, wait a minute. We've got not one, not two, but three copies of that book we'll be giving away on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. You've heard the expression. I think Josh McDowell was the first one who I ever heard say this. It was to parents: rules without relationship leads to rebellion. But what happens when you take a look at the rules and the relationship, put them together? I mean, hopefully, if you put the two together, they lead to responsibility. But sometimes, when we are in the business world or we're trying to, you know, show people how to become great. Um, we get a little too focused on the rules and the what to do instead of the who we should be in relationships. And joining me today is a guy who understands that and has learned that all too well, David Hoffman, founder of David Hoffman Realty Inc. Incorporated uh, five, uh, excuse me, an Inc 5000 company, as also uh, as well as the Covenant First Mortgage and Beyond Title. His work in real estate and economics has been published in all sorts of major media outlets. He's written a book that I think it really caught my eye because of the, uh, the, the promise that it uh, delivers for us in the body of Christ. It's called Relationships Over Rules, Seven Principles to Lead Gracefully and Love Generously, How to Harness the Power of Relationships to Overcome Your Past and Embrace Your Future. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. David Hoffman, welcome to The Bottom Line Show.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to this.
0: I'm looking forward to this conversation, too, because you come from a background where you will admit first and foremost, when I was growing up, I mean, I had to learn the rules, but there weren't a whole lot of really great relationships. I mean, not what what you described them as you had a lack of true relationships in your life. Talk about what it was like to kind of overcome that, because when we're kids, we're living what we, you know, we're learning what we live. We don't know any different. We just kind of figure everybody's family's like this. What was that aha moment for you where you realized, hey, wait a minute, I'm, I'm really lacking in this area?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, I didn't realize, well, you know, as a child, I went back and forth between hating God and not knowing him because, you know, my mom got sick. She chose life for me when she had multiple sclerosis and, and it triggered her multiple sclerosis where she became paralyzed and it weighs down. And so, my father took me away, and he remarried and and um, and I was basically raised in a life without love, with a lot of neglect. I would see my mom three or four times a year for three or four hours at a time, uh, so ten hours a year. And I missed her, and I always wondered why I couldn't live with her. But as important as that, when I'd go back to my home as a little boy, I felt alone, I felt neglected. Um, I spent a lot of time in my room where I not only couldn't build relationships, but I, I just I just didn't feel, I definitely didn't know God. Um, and I just felt a lack of everything. I, mean, I just felt mm-hmm. like I was hopeless, worthless. And so I got asked recently, Roger, why why I value relationships so much. And and to be honest, God put in my heart. It's because I didn't yet know him. He was there, but I didn't know him. Mm-hmm. And, and so outside my mom, I didn't have relationships. And so, you know, for me, um, I just really valued what I was lacking. And and so the aha moment is um, almost 20 years ago to the day. Uh, I was on the phone with my mom this time 20 years ago. And she said, David, I'm really proud of you. I was building a business in in, in Washington, D.C. And she said, come visit me in New York City. And I'm so self-righteous at this point. I'm so selfish. And, and I said, absolutely. I'm also thinking my mom, you know, she's 50 two years old she's got a whole life in front of her well she died a few weeks later and um and i was the only person who and ever showed me love that's my one mm. regret um, mm. and so fast forward a lot more to the story fast forward reached some more worldly success and the economy crashes in 2008 and i was just tired i feel like i lost everything i had a short marriage it didn't work out and i just heard god loud and clear say you've tried your way for almost 30 years give it to me mm. so i finally did i finally did
0: that's powerful. I mean, it's, it's, it's it, to be able to acknowledge that, you know, to say, OK, I had at least one true relationship in my life and I, I neglected it, that I tried to build worldly success. And then the market turned and all of a sudden I didn't have it. And to find out after 30 years of doing that, that God was still standing there, that you did have a real relationship with him. You just didn't see it or weren't really engaging in it. That must have been a, a hugely transformational moment for you, David Hoffman.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, when you try to do it all yourself, um, or when you just try, you think you have the right plan, and, and things aren't working, and you're in the valley, and it feels really rocky and tumultuous or even tragic, I really believe, you know, in our conference room, we have Jeremiah twenty nine eleven 11 in big print in my real estate office, mm-hmm. because when you follow His plan for your life, it may not be perfect by any means, but, um, but He knows best. And so, you know, I gave it to God. I um I met my wife the next day actually. Wow. And, um, you know life hasn't been yeah you know, life hasn't been perfect by any means. Yeah, my pastor likes to remind me that sometimes it takes more faith to not believe. But mm-hmm. um you know life hasn't mm-hmm. been perfect by any means. You know we're not promised bliss on this side. Uh, but I have I have fostered many strong, very powerful, beautiful relationships with God in the center, and I just want to encourage people that that everyone has people in their life, that it could be tough at times, as long as it's not toxic. You don't want to keep toxic people. But um, it could be tough at times, but that's okay. God's working through all things together for the good of those who love Him. And I just want to encourage people to focus on those people and that they're not a mistake, and they're, they need to not be neglected, and, and they're more than enough. See, for me, when I didn't get to say goodbye to my mom, it's because I was so self-righteous, I was so selfish. I felt like the world owed me something, from decades of being alone, and decades mm-hmm. of being neglected, and fighting for food and drink, and 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 just feeling like the world owed me something. Well, the world, the world didn't owe me anything. So I learned from that, and now yeah. I'm just grateful for anyone that he puts in my life.
0: I think that's wonderful, David Hoffman, my guest today here on the Bottom Line. The book is called Relationships Over Rules: Seven Principles to Lead Gracefully and Love Generously. And there's more to the subtitle. We'll get into in just a moment. Link for the book up at com, that that's the first principle isn't it it's, it's not so much focusing on who's not here but rather to focus on the people that god does place in our lives and to value them talk, talk about why that's important for uh for lit- literally you know being able to lead gracefully and love generously
1: yeah absolutely you know regardless if it's in your marriage you know men tend to look at what they're not getting at home Um, And that's why, unfortunately, the divorce rate is so high. You know, they're not fostering a stronger relationship with the one that they courted so many years. They're not honoring church and their wife. Then going into the marketplace, marketplace ambassadors team seem to um, focus on the next transaction. I, I just want to encourage them that when the transaction ends, that's actually when the relationship begins. You know, the relationship's not inside of the transaction. In the business world, we focus so much on customer service, but that's... That's that's not a relationship, that's that's a transaction, that is business. When the transaction ends, there's nothing to give, then we're being a salt like. then we're being more like Jesus. And so, starting at home, in the community, at church, in the marketplace, I just want to encourage people that if they just look back at everyone that God has put in their life, everyone that has already given them more than they deserve, they've shown them love, trust, and respect, they'll have more relations than they can handle.
0: I love the second principle, David Hoffman, that you write about in your book Relationships Over Rules, where you talk about not only focusing on the people that God places in your life, but also spending time with others without having an agenda. Talk about why that is actually, I think, more difficult in now in the era of social media. Everyone's trying to, you know, they're angling for something. The idea of just getting together and hanging out, no agenda other than just being together. It sounds so old fashioned and so countercultural.
1: Well, you know, on the front end, absolutely. On the front end, it doesn't make sense. You know, I was speaking at a conference almost a decade ago in Maryland and a gentleman asked me a great question at the end. He said, what happens if all you do is help a lot of people? And I feel like those air quotes you know, when he said help a lot of people, but no one ever buys or sells a home. You know, I'm in real estate. Mm-hmm. And, and I, and I was like, look, that's a great question. It's a powerful question. It's the, it's a, it's a, it really is a good question. Um, but, but I've, I've got an easy answer. Well, then God has bigger plans for your life. And Mm -hmm. and hopefully I'll be told one day, well done. And my mom will be hugging me and Jesus. Absolutely. Uh, And so I just want to encourage people that, you know, it's actually easier to not have an agenda. It's actually easier to just meet people where they are, walk a mile in their shoes or attempt to, and not have any strings attached. Because then you're following God's plan. God says, okay, I put this person in your life. Just go follow them. Go serve them. Just go be like my son with them. You know don't worry about if they're going to make you money and take care of your family. Don't worry about if this is a good decision or a bad. Don't worry about if there's something better around the corner. If you put it on the calendar, you keep it. You know, respond before your next meal so they don't go to their meal thinking you're not impor- they're not important enough for you and you're too busy and you can be present in your next meal and just follow God's plan for your life. If you put someone in your life, you don't need an agenda. God has an agenda. And so right. for me that's actually that's actually removed, it hasn't removed the stress in the storms, but it allows me to just walk with peace and joy in those storms, following him. And, you know, it's led to some of the most beautiful relationships. It's been an abundance from a business standpoint, but more importantly, um, the joy that comes from serving others without an agenda, not attaching a dollar to the outcome, not attaching an idol. And... At the end of the day, when we look back, I just, I can't have a second regret. Everyone says no regrets. We all have regrets. So i have to imagine that. My regret is not saying goodbye to my mom, the one person who showed me unconditional love. That's what I encourage people that everyone was born perfectly made with spiritual gifts. And what happens is God puts people in our lives that we can serve, that we can be a found to them, they can be a found to us. But then the world says, no, 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 go over here where those drains are. Go over here where you're going to get dollars recognition right. and recognition and Right. You know, the devil, if the devil tried to tempt Jesus, we got to be careful. He's just a creature. He's not our creator, but he's also not stupid. And, mm-hmm. um, and so we just have to focus on the people God puts in our life, and, and we'll have the best life that he has planned for us on this side until we get to eternity. Um, so, yeah, for me, I just love just meeting people where they are, Roger, and, and just saying, okay, God, do your work. I'm here. Mm-hmm. Whatever mm-hmm. comes from it, it's your, your will.
0: David Hoffman, my guest today here on The Bottom Line. The book is called Relationships Over Rules, Seven Principles to Lead Gracefully. More to come in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. Great counsel from David Hoffman today here on The Bottom Line. His book, Relationships Over Rules, Seven Principles to Lead Gracefully and Love Generously, Harnessing the Power of Relationships. And we've got a link for the thebottomlineshow.com. You've got another principle in the book, David, uh, that talks about uh, something that is a little bit of a it's kind of an anomaly in in today's world of smartphones and expert analysis and et cetera, et cetera. And that is be a friend before being the expert. That's got to be tough for a lot of people to do, but that's one of the principles that you stress in your relationships over rules. Talk about why that friendship is more important than actually being the smartest guy in the room.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You know, people don't care much, you know, until they know much you care. And with social media it's even more important now than ever before to be a genuine friend and we all say we're a good friend but when you really dig deep do you know anything more than someone's birthday when you see it on social media do you know their their struggles the strife in their life do you know what they're really going through that they aren't putting through a filtered lens do you know who needs you are you really being a friend you know and so if you be the friend first like jesus with the disciples, like Jesus, just walking, leading them. Then, similar to not having an agenda, but to the next level, you're going to give more than you take. You're going to help more people you can ever imagine. You're going to follow God's plan for life, and and oh by the way, it will come back when you least expect it. People will reciprocate when it's a true friendship. People want to be around their friends. They want to love on you and give to you as well. And so. You know, um, you don't give in your marriage to receive, you don't give to your kids to receive, you shouldn't even give in the business world to receive, uh, but it will come back. It will come back. Just like we tithe not to receive, but because it's all his, we need to give of our gifts and our treasures and God does provide.
0: Hmm. That's great counsel. And, and it's, it's a healthy reminder, um, from you know for someone who's been through it i mean you talk about the the world of david hoffman being in real estate and knowing what it's like to see everything build up and everything kind of come crashing down around you uh when he writes about these principles these seven principles in the book relationships over rules uh they're biblically based they're very very practical and very very helpful uh david one of the things you write about your fourth principle It's something I think about uh, often when I've I've met people. I had a very dear friend who uh, was able to to overcome hardship and adversity in her younger years to get into a private school. She wound up uh, not only passing the bar, but also getting an MBA. And when she would go back home to visit some members of her family, they'd say, why do you push yourself so hard? You know, that's that's not what our family does, you know, and, and she would just kind of scratch her head and say, I don't I don't understand. God's given me these opportunities. One of your principles, your past doesn't have to dictate your potential uh, kind of speaks to that. Talk about that, if you would.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, we need to know of our past so that we can break the chains. Right. We need to know that they exist. We have to hit it head on. We have to deal with the trauma you know, for me, the little boy, for the women, that little girl, and them that says they're not enough. We, so we do have to keep an eye on our rearview mirror when we're driving down the road to make sure nothing's getting too close, and be a little defensive, but without fear. And and we can't stay there. You know, and when you complain, you remain. Um, mm. But your past is not who you are. You know, God made you perfect, and then you may go through some strife in your life, but it's not who you are. He has a big plan for your life. It has a big purpose for life, and your potential is limitless. And, you know, another principle, adversity brings gratitude. It sounds like, you know, it sounds like with, with this young lady and with so many others, when someone has dealt with challenges in their past, it actually gives them a unique perspective, which becomes a gift of gratitude because you become, you become grateful in the little things. You realize what really matters, and you realize what you need and what you don't need. And you're like, okay, I'm going to. I'm going to reach for my true potential. I'm not going to waste mm-hmm. my time. I'm not going to have a second regret. God didn't put me here to be complacent. God didn't put me here to be apathetic. I don't have much time on this side. I'm going to bring people to him. I'm going to change lives for the better for his kingdom. And and so you can't look back. Your past, there's no mistakes. God makes no mistakes. Your past is not who you are. If anything, you learn from it. And I learned from my past how to do the opposite and not only break the chain, but I'll tell my boys the other day that, you know, how I was raised taught me everything I need to know about what not to do.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: it taught me a work ethic at a very young age. I was working at eight years old, shoving snow, raking leaves, mowing lawns, washing cars to make some money to help, you know, feed. And 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 I'm grateful for that now. Maybe back then I hated God and I challenged him and I wondered why I was taking it from my mom. I was wondering why I was put in a lack of love. But now I'm grateful for that adversity. And so... I learned from my past, but it doesn't define me.
0: Well, that's good. Good advice. And and very inspiring, too, knowing that David Hoffman had a tough background growing up, what it was like with his relationship with his mom and then his dad kind of whisking him away into a a loveless relationship, Uh, just kind of... uh, spending time being a, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> being a, a desperado, if you will. But the seven relationship principles that he writes about in his book called Relationships Over Rules are so informative. Uh, we've got a link for the book up at TheBottomLineShow.com. Um, there's it comes a point where every business person has to choose between getting the deal done and doing the right thing, even if it means the deal's not going to happen. Uh, your seventh principle addresses that. Talk about that and why that's so important for not only lifetime of success in the business world but also growing stronger in your faith.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, for me I look at where I came from and I look at so many others that have faced immeasurably more challenging situations and trauma and tragedy. And it almost is easy. It really is easy to just just do my best to give. You know, to be that friend, um, to be the friend first, not worry about being the expert. Because the expert is not to know it all. The expert knows what they know, they know what they don't know. And you need that to be a real friend. To be present like I never had in my life. You know, to be the present husband to the best of my ability. To be the present father, the present leader. You know, God gives us a short time here, but he's a perfect God. And he has a big plan for each of our lives. And it's not for us to take. It's not for us to hoard in our hurts. It's for us to pass forward and to bring others along with us for their own salvation. And so, you know, as I get towards the, the last days, months, years of my life, um, you know, I'm 44. I don't know if I have another day or another 50 years, but, you know, I'm getting closer to the end regardless. Um, I'm looking towards eternity, and I want to bring everyone with me and i just want to be more like him on this side. You know, it is I, i'm i don't want it to sound more simple than it is, but i just don't want to follow the rules of the world where you focus on the next transaction and taking more than you give and hoarding. What's the point? What does money in the bank do for your eternity and your salvation? What does it do for your kids and your grandkids and generations after you are gone? You can't take it with you. They're better off without it as they get older. They need the Bible. They need the word, not the world. And so for me, honestly, Roger, like I've, I've been asked so many times, how'd you go from one of those pendulums to the other? And I was like, look, you know, apathy is what the devil wants. He doesn't want you to have passion on either end of the pendulum. He right. doesn't want you to hate God, hate God, because that means you know him. You know, the, the devil wants you to just be removed from God. The devil wants you to just focus on the the lies of the world of recognition and rankings and affirmation and idols and for money to be your master and for you to look at everything you're not getting in your household and to just spend your whole life with a snare to compare until you die with regret. And he devil wants you not to know Jesus. And and so I just try to do the best I can to to be an example like him. And it actually makes it easy. I just read the Bible to the best of my ability each morning and each afternoon. And just try to be a good example and just try to help people. And and because I came from little, I don't worry about having much. And, mm. and then I get more than I
0: need. Well, this is a great resource, and I know it's going to encourage a lot of people. It's been an inspiration to me. Uh, David Hoffman, the author of the book Relationships Over Rules, Seven Principles to Lead Gracefully and Love Generously, Harnessing the Power of Relationships to Overcome Your Past and Embrace Your Future. There's a link for the book up at TheBottomLineShow.com. David Hoffman, thanks for being with us today here on The Bottom Line Show.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor, and I just want to encourage everyone listening that they're more than enough, and they just need to look inside their heart, look inside the Word, and look at the people that are already in their life, and make it change the world.
0: Well, nice to meet you, David, and a great conversation. David Hoffman has been my guest today here on The Bottom Line. Rules Over Relationships is the name of the book, and we've got a link for it up at thebottomlineshow.com, these seven principles uh, that you can use to to love graciously and selflessly. Um, And I... I I love the principles that David talked about. He's been generous enough to give us not one, not two, but three copies of this book that we're giving away today here on The Bottom Line Show, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Again, we've got not one, not two, but three copies of David Hoffman's book called Rules Over Relationships, Seven Principles to Lead Gracefully and Love Generously. Harnessing the power of relationships to overcome your past and embrace your future. 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line.
2: Call personal injury attorney Stephanie Cover of Cover Law first after an accident. Friends or family might tell you to get in touch with the insurance company for the party at fault first, but this is wrong. Stephanie knows countless myths that surround personal injury law, and she will help you separate fact from fiction. Stephanie worked directly for insurance companies for decades, and she knows how to navigate the process. You may wonder if your injury is too minor to warrant an attorney representing you. Stephanie can help you figure that part out with a free call, and she will tell you honestly if she thinks it's worth pursuing. Sometimes injured people are concerned about going to trial, but Stephanie prides herself on her ability to stay out of a courtroom because it typically means that she can maximize the amount you will actually receive. Don't make these decisions on your own. Contact Stephanie Cover at kbrightradio.com cover. That's C-O-V-E-R.
0: My Thanks again to real estate mogul, I like to call him, uh, David Hoffman, for sharing this fantastic, uh, these seven principles to lead great, gracefully and love generously. Uh, the book is called Relationships Over Rules, Harnessing the Power of Relationships to Overcome Your Past and Embrace Your Future. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com, and we have not one, not two, but three copies of this book that we're giving away today. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. The principles are so important. Focus on the people God places in your life. It sounds very basic. Spend time with others without having an agenda. Boy, isn't that a tough one. I remember a good friend of mine telling me that he got so frustrated because every time he'd go out and go take one of his kids to dinner, they'd go to a ball game or something like that, he'd say, I'd always you know, get into trouble because I'd start talking to them about things that I wanted them to work on. I said, really? He goes, yeah. I mean, my list wasn't very long. Your list? Yeah, I pull out a sheet of paper. Oh, my gosh. We have to be able just to hang out with people and have that hang time. Uh, Number three, find a way to say yes. If you look for a yes, I know my natural tendency is no. Um, Looking for a yes makes it easier to stay in relationship with with building as well. Fourth principle, your past doesn't have to dictate your potential. Fifth, adversity can create gratitude. Boy, if you learn that lesson, Man, oh man, your life will be so much sweeter. Every time I talk to somebody who's been burned by somebody for whatever reason and they can't say, well, at least I learned this or I'm grateful for that. Man, and I'm looking at myself too in the mirror. Uh, Principle number six is tough in the modern era. That is be a friend before being the expert. Everybody's got a quote unquote smartphone. That is a reference by the way to the phone, not us. And principle seven, it's not about the deal. It's about doing the right thing. Uh, great principles, uh, seven principles, in fact, from David Hoffman to lead gracefully and love generously. He writes about them in his new book called Rules Over Relationships. We've got a copy at thebottomlineshow.com, and we have not one, not two, but three copies of this book we're giving away. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. For our KCBC audience, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. Rabbi Schneider and discovering the Jewish Jesus is coming up next by the way Rabbi Schneider is going to be joining us here on the Bottom Line show I believe next week we have him on the schedule so be nice to check out with check up with him he was in Israel shortly after the uh, uh, Hamas terror attacks and that uh, war that was launched on October 7th, and it'll be good to get an update from him. I've been getting uh, weekly text messages from him, but be nice to get that and be able to have, share that with you, not only here on the Bottom Line Show, but also on myhopenow.com, which is our video streaming service. Uh, We try to get as many of our interviews on video as we can. And uh, that's why we put them up there for you as well. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, it's this week's edition of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. Bob Duco is your host this week. And he's joined, of course, by John Rush, Rush to Region out of Denver, Colorado. Neil Boron, Neil Boron Live out of Buffalo, New York. And yours truly, this week's edition of NCR is coming up next as The Bottom Line continues.